0: It's Monday, January 29th, and this conflict has now taken lives of American troops. We start here. Iranian-backed militias launch a deadly attack on Americans overseas traumatic brain injuries, other shrapnel wounds, some serious wounds as well. The White House is vowing retribution, so how does it play into potential peace talks? Republicans prepare to impeach
1: the Secretary of Homeland Security. I wish that our government was enforcing the laws passed by the Congress.
0: My Alejandro Mayorkas could become just the second cabinet member in history to
1: have his job threatened by Congress. And pro wrestling is between the rock and a hard place. Wrestling is a very abusive ecosystem where Vince has been the ultimate authority for about 40 years. At a crucial moment, disturbing accusations against the
0: WWE's longtime leader. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. The attack from Hamas on Israel came on October 7th. By October 8th, the U.S. had announced carrier strike groups were on their way to the region, meaning for the last three months, the U.S. has been offering its support to Israel, which also, of course, makes us a target. Iranian-backed forces targeted American troops in both Iraq and Syria. Militants firing at U.S. helicopters who responded with deadly force. Throughout the Middle East, you got these militant groups that aren't officially linked to any government, though they get their money from all over. In many cases, the US was taking fire from groups who were funded by Iran, which is a dangerous game for everyone, right? If you kind of harass US ships, you might get one type of response, but if you kill members of the US military, at what point does the US strike back or even go after Iran itself? So far, there have been lots of close calls. Ships have been fired at, but not sunk. U.S. service members have been hurt, but not killed. The White House blaming Iran-backed militants for the deadly drone attack on a U.S. base in Jordan, near the border with Syria. Well, yesterday, the U.S. announced that a military outpost in Jordan had been targeted by a drone strike, and that this time, for the first time in this conflict, three American troops have been killed. Let's go straight to ABC's Matt Gutman, who's in Tel Aviv, Israel right now. Matt, what do we know about this attack? Pretty serious attack, Brad.
2: Uh, Three U.S. service members killed um, right on the border of Jordan and Syria. It's literally on the borderline. It's called Tower 22. Uh, Basically, it's a supply base for uh, a different base that the U.S. has in Syria where it fights ISIS. But not only were three service members killed, but at least 25 were wounded in this attack um, traumatic brain injuries, other shrapnel wounds, wow. some serious wounds as well. So, this is a major escalation, and it was by Iranian backed proxies in the area. The U.S. considers this yet another provocative act by Iran. So, you know, we have fighting going on in Syria against U.S. troops, attacks on U.S. troops in Iraq, attacks on U.S. shipping and ships in Iraq the Red Sea by the Houthis and the cross-border conflict between Israel and Hezbollah, which is also an Iranian-backed proxy. So there's a lot going on in the region right now. And the question is, what kind of response are we going to see from the White House and the Pentagon? Is it going to come soon? Are they going to bide their time? And how much of an impact is it going to have? I was going to say, Matt, because there has to be a,
0: a whole new level when you're talking. There, there's firing on American service members. There's injuring American service members. Once you start killing American service members, surely the U.S. has to react in a different
2: way, or, or don't they? It seems that they do, and I think there's going to be some pressure from the Pentagon to make a point. Right. The strikes so far against the Iranian-backed group, the Houthis in Yemen, have been pretty targeted. They've been mostly against their anti-ship missiles. Those are the missiles being used to attack uh, Israeli ship, American ships, British ships going through the Red Sea to the Suez Canal.
3: That's the goal is to uh, deter them. And we don't want to go down a path of greater escalation that uh, drives to a much broader conflict.
2: This is different. This is a direct attack by an Iranian-backed proxy on U.S. troops that knew they were there, and it was a successful attack.
1: President Biden addressing the attack today at an event in South Carolina, vowing to hold those responsible accountable.
2: Now, most U.S. bases in the region have some sort of air defenses. Um, basically, they're anti-missile missiles. Typically, they work. They did not work in this case. It's unclear why that happened, but obviously, there were pretty catastrophic consequences here.
0: Well, you've been talking to people within Israel who are basically like like, everything gets more and more out of control as long as the question of Gaza is so unsettled, right? All the devastation there. William Burns, the CIA director, was in the region this weekend talking about a a new, longer potential ceasefire, something that would include even more hostages
2: than the, the ceasefire we saw a little while back. What is the status of that potential deal? There is a great sense of progress. And... I think it's the first real progress that we've seen on a ceasefire in two months since the November ceasefire. And it's probably the most progress we've seen since the conflict began four months ago. These are significant talks. They're being held in Paris and Egypt and Qatar. Um, now they involve top-level officials from the us egypt qatar israel and hamas they're not meeting directly in israel and hamas but they are working on a framework agreement and this is going to be a much longer lasting ceasefire instead of a week as it was last time it's probably going to be two months and the hostages there are about 100 of them believed still alive in gaza being held there will be released israel will also release a number undisclosed at this point of palestinian prisoners being held in its prisons in israel There have been a number of sticking points.
4: Israel will not give up on the destruction of Hamas, the return of all the hostages, and there will be no security threat from Gaza towards Israel.
2: The sticking points have really been the length of the ceasefire. Israel wants to get all of its hostages back as quickly as possible and then resume the war. Hamas wants this not to be a ceasefire, but it wants it to be a permanent ceasefire, an armistice that's going to last for some time. It wants the cessation of the conflict. Israel's pretty adamant that that's not going to happen at this point. Israel is under massive pressure to get these living hostages home before it's too late. They are being tortured, raped. They don't receive their uh, medical treatment, the medicine they need. It's believed that the conditions under which these people are living in are extremely difficult. And Hamas is obviously desperate to put an end to this war because it and the Palestinians in general have been taking catastrophic casualties. So much of Gaza is destroyed. So many people not just killed 26,000 according to the Hamas-run health ministry, but 60,000 or more wounded at this point. So both sides want this to happen. There is that desire. The question is, when is it going to be brokered and how long will it take for it to actually be implemented? Um, A U.S. source told me that even after the ink dries and this deal is signed, it'll probably take two weeks to implement because it just is so incredibly complex. Well, and and the,
0: the devastation to Gaza that you mentioned is another reason that, that aid has just been such a, a big factor in all this. But when we talk about aid, Matt, over the weekend, a bunch of countries pulled their funding for major U.N. aid agency that supports the Palestinians because of allegations that aid workers might have helped Hamas with October 7th? I mean, what happened here?
2: Yeah, the aid agency is known by its acronym UNRWA, and UNRWA has been around since 1949. It's the largest Palestinian aid agency. It's the biggest provider of social welfare food. Right now, it's housing many, many hundreds of thousands of Palestinians who've been displaced in the fighting, and it is a critical safety net in Gaza. However, Israel has put forth these allegations and apparently they seem to be legitimate enough for the UN to have immediately fired everyone who Israel alleges was involved. Any employee of UNRWA who is involved in acts of terror will be held accountable,
0: including through criminal prosecution.
2: Israel says that it knows that these people were involved because they saw them on all the videos that were live streamed by Hamas and the other organizations and random people who crossed from Gaza into Israel to loot and do all the other terrible things that happened on October 7th. And Israel says they know that these UN workers were involved because they've captured some of them and interrogated them. Wow. So the evidence, which we have not yet seen, seems to be strong enough that at this point, 10 nations have said that they will suspend their contributions to UNRWA, um effective immediately. And UNRWA and the UN are now saying that they will only be able to continue their operations in the Gaza Strip uh, until the end of the month. And then it's a big question of what happens then. And nobody knows the answer to that.
0: Wow, unbelievable how in flux so many parts of this story are as it continues to develop. Matt Gutman tracking it in Tel Aviv right now. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Up on Start Here, the Homeland Security Secretary's own job might not be secure. We're back in a bit.
4: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times best-selling author, and I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.
0: More and more obvious how the Republican Party plans to campaign this fall. For former President Donald Trump and others, this will be framed as the border election.
3: Stop the invasion of our southern border and begin the largest domestic deportation operation in American history, we have. In Texas,
0: the state government has basically seized a section of the Rio Grande, which would usually be under the jurisdiction of the federal government. It's a federal border. Despite a Supreme Court order saying that the feds can impose authority there, Texas is not voluntarily giving back
1: control. We have secured this part of the border, we secured it.
0: In fact, today, a group of far-right protesters is organizing a convoy of vehicles that will drive down toward the border, saying they're on a mission from God to stop migration into the U.S. So, tensions were already high. Conservative politicians had vowed to make this a top issue in November. Well, then yesterday in Washington, Republican lawmakers released a draft document that they say will be used to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. ABC's Jay O'Brien covers Congress. Jay. I mean, talk about tensions ratcheting up. Why the DHS secretary? Why Alejandro Mayorkas?
3: Well, this is something that Republicans in the House had wanted to do for quite some time. This is something that further right Republicans especially had been talking about doing for a while.
0: You can honorably resign or we are going to impeach you. And
4: it's happening very quickly very soon.
3: This is a priority, for example, of Marjorie Taylor Green's, who had introduced this resolution on the House floor numerous times to impeach Mayorkas, and every single time it got tabled and sent to the Homeland Security Committee, which is the committee that unveiled these impeachment articles on Sunday. The Homeland Security Committee, for a long time, has been investigating the Biden administration's handling of the southern border. Remember, this is a Republican-led committee because Republicans control the House of Representatives. And so, in these impeachment articles that they unveiled, they accuse Mayorkas of essentially not doing his job and contributing to the ongoing situation at the U.S. southern border.
1: Because of Secretary Mayorkas's border crisis, American cities and neighborhoods are less safe. Secretary Mayorkas's refusal to enforce the law which requires him to detain and remove illegal aliens has tragically increased crime, And endangered public safety across the country.
3: Specifically, they say, and I'll read from the impeachment articles directly, they say he, quote, willfully and systemically refused to comply with federal immigration law. Specifically, what they're talking about is they say that he did not institute this widespread detention of migrants that Border Patrol encountered at the border. And because he didn't do these massive detentions of pretty much every single migrant that border patrol comes across, he was not following U.S. immigration law. That's the basic argument that they make in these impeachment inquiries. The
2: border is secure. The United States Border Patrol secures the border on behalf of the American people. That's what we do.
3: They also mention one more thing where they say that he uh, misled Congress by saying, uh, among other things, that the border was, quote-unquote, secure.
1: I wish our southwest border was secure I wish that our government was enforcing the laws passed by the Congress and doing its job to keep the American people safe. Unfortunately, Secretary Mayorkas has done none of these things.
3: But the accusation against House Republicans here is that they're cherry-picking and that they're trying to play politics, that they really just wanted to go for Mayorkas from the jump, and they're creating this impeachment in want of, uh, if you will, high crimes and misdemeanors.
0: I see. Like the idea that they they want a boogeyman from the Biden administration. He's going to be the guy. Yeah. I mean, what is the response from DHS about that idea that they're just not— you know, you're supposed to be detaining people when they
3: come across the border illegally. Detain them. They had a strong and a forceful response to all of this. It's just the top line of it is they call it baseless. They say that this is evidence free. The funds are needed to provide our department with more detention space to provide the Department of Justice with more immigration judges. And when you talk about that detention aspect of things, the argument DHS makes is that it is the Homeland Security's prerogative and obligation, frankly, under U.S. law, to enforce immigration law as he or she sees fit. They have broad U.S. immigration law and that it's up to the DHS secretary as to exactly how to carry out the enforcement of that. And so, detaining migrants, how you detain them, the frequency of which you do it, DHS says, is up to the discretion of the secretary. And it's interesting because they make this argument in this document that they unveiled to refute these articles of impeachment under this standard that Republicans are making. They say, quote, Congress should have impeached every single DHS secretary since the department was founded. So they're saying that Mayorkas is being unfairly targeted. To your point, that's exactly what DHS is saying, that they're turning him into a boogeyman for the border crisis.
0: It's interesting, though, the idea that DHS can kind of select how they enforce policy. I guess the same way that the Department of Justice enforces policy, like they've decided marijuana is not the most important thing, even though it's federally illegal. The different, We're not seeing huge emergencies involving marijuana. Almost everyone who studies the border says that there is a crisis that has to be dealt with one way or the other, right?
3: The argument DHS would make is that this is an ongoing crisis that predated Mayorkas as Secretary of Homeland Security, that predated this administration, and that the administration is doing everything it can. And frankly, some of the policies that House Republicans are taking issue with, DHS would say these are policies that they're doing to try to alleviate the border crisis.
1: I think back to the policies when President Trump was in in office, and I think back to my district, we did not have the border crisis that we have now.
3: The House Republicans... On the flip side of that, blame the entire situation at the border on the Biden administration. So what you're watching here is essentially, quote unquote, border battle make its way in its clearest form yet to the House of Representatives. And oh, by the way. In an unprecedented kind of form, because this would be, if it goes to a vote on the House floor, which Speaker Mike Johnson has promised, only the second time in American history that a cabinet secretary has been impeached. The last one was nearly 150 years ago when the House voted to impeach then Ulysses S. Grant's secretary of war. And so what happens now?
0: Wait, so he, doesn't, he hasn't been impeached yet. This is like a draft. Can you just walk me through the
3: steps real quick? Exactly. So he hasn't been impeached yet. These are draft articles of impeachment that will get formalized in a meeting, essentially, of the House Homeland Security Committee on Tuesday. Then it goes to the House floor for a vote. At some point, Mike Johnson again has said he wants to do that. The phrase he used was, quote unquote, as soon as possible. It's expected to pass in a Republican-controlled House, although it will probably pass narrowly. But I can tell you, uh, even before these articles of impeachment came out, I hadn't talked to any Republicans, even moderates, who were looking at impeaching Mayorkas in a skeptical way. All of them seemed pretty on board. We'll see how that holds. And then, of course, if it passes in the House, then it goes To the Democrat-controlled Senate, where you need two-thirds to convict and remove anyone, think back to the Trump impeachments, that's a tall order in the Senate anyway, and certainly a tall order in a chamber that is controlled by Democrats. Just to be a history nerd for one more second, if you think about Ulysses S. Grant, Secretary of War, the only other cabinet secretary to be impeached, when he was impeached in the 1870s, they didn't have the votes in the Senate to convict him then. So this is something that has just never happened.
0: And important to remember, there's already been an inquiry to impeach President Biden himself, and Republicans admitted at the time they didn't have any hard evidence for impeachment. They were looking for evidence, they said. Clearly, a lot more to come here. Uh, Jay O'Brien in D.C., thanks. Thank you, Brett. Okay, one more quick break. When we come back, is the WWE down for the count? One last thing is next.
1: As in previous campaigns, it's
0: There were several big sporting events this weekend. The Super Bowl was set, the Australian Open was decided, and if you consider pro-wrestling a sport, the Royal Rumble was making headlines.
1: Cody Rhodes with a Cody
0: Cutter. However, the scrutiny this time isn't over a scripted ending. It's because wrestling's legendary boss, Vince McMahon, stepped down amid stomach-turning allegations.
1: So, the allegations in the lawsuit are detailed and lengthy, and pretty shocking to read. That's Abraham Josephine Reisman, who wrote
0: a biography called Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America. She walked us through the allegations from a woman named Janelle Grant, who a few years ago lived in McMahon's
1: apartment building. She was looking for work, so, The resident manager allegedly connected her with Vince. What followed, according to her lawsuit, was a coerced sexual relationship that involved texts like, I'm the only one who owns you. The allegations are that Vince more or less used her as um, a sex object to be passed around among people that he knew and this is a key thing to understand because grant isn't
0: just saying mcmahon abused her she's saying there were a number of people involved including wwe employees and a wrestler mcmahon has denied any wrongdoing but world wrestling entertainment did not exactly race to his defense
1: so far wwe's response has been to sever ties with vince mcmahon at least publicly and as far as everyone
0: knows. However, at a
1: press conference after the Royal Rumble
0: this weekend, the former wrestler Triple H, who's now a WWE executive, declined to articulate what steps the company is taking to keep employees safe.
3: I choose to to focus on the positive.
0: At one point, he was asked if he'd even read
1: the lawsuit, to which he said, I did not. I did not. If that's the initial response is to just say, well, I didn't read it. I'm trying to focus on the positive. I don't think that stockholders necessarily will be focusing on the positive, especially given that the nature of these allegations are such that. If they're true, if even a fraction of them are true, a lot of people at WWE had to know what was going on. It's not like this is McMahon's first time facing accusations of sexual
0: misconduct or even outright assault. He had to step down from the company a couple years ago before clawing his way back in. What's unique this time, though, is pro-wrestling is at this inflection point.
4: 48,044
0: people! watching history in the making this year as so much traditional tv heads to streaming netflix announced it's trying to get into that market by buying the rights to monday night raw a live wrestling broadcast every week worth five billion dollars
1: to the wwe's owner tko holdings there's a lot of risk that tko is suddenly open to at a time when as as many people will tell you, wrestling is having a bit of a renaissance. So it would
0: make sense that the company would be like, we're done with Vince McMahon, forget about him. Reisman says the problem is, the entire industry has been shaped in his image.
1: Wrestling is a very abusive ecosystem where Vince has been the ultimate authority for about 40 years. What do you mean abusive ecosystem? Wrestling is an ecosystem where none of the wrestlers are employees. None of them have, you can't, there isn't a union, there's no, employee protections. Pro wrestling used to be little more than a touring show, a traveling carnival. That's part of what still makes
0: it so endearing. These huge personalities, the melodramatic heel turns. That's what big companies like Netflix are buying, but it's also what makes this brand such a risk. And now, a lot of people are answering for it, perhaps sooner than they expected. it for us. Go get your Monday started. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, hit us up with a rating and review wherever you listen, or better yet, tell a friend about the show. I had a friend this weekend who didn't know I had a podcast, so I guess it starts with me. I'm going to start reading credits whenever I leave parties. Get that kind of clues people in. I'm Brad Milky. See you tomorrow.
1: As in previous campaigns, it's